asked to describe grandmothers, uh, there was one little boy who responded with this gem. He said, a grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. So she loves everybody else's. Grandmas don't have to do anything to be there, but, but be there. If they take you for a walk, they slow down past leaves and caterpillars. They can answer questions like why dogs hate cats and why God isn't married. When they read to you, they don't skip parts or mind if it's the same story again. Everyone should have a grandmother because they are the only grown-ups who have time for you. <laughs> you know, most of us who have our grandmothers, knew our grandmothers, uh, or still have them today, have some, some memories of these women in our lives. Uh, for me, I remember picking strawberries together, waiting for the sun to hit the building just right and going along and picking every single bush along that side of the house. Staying o- overnight at Grandma's house, getting up, just staying up just a little bit late, sleeping in a little bit more. There was always a can of 7-Up in the, in, in the fridge in the, the garage with frozen peaches and Wrigley's Double Mint Gum in the kitchen cupboard. And of course, um, when I remember my Grandma Keeper, I always remember Cheetos. Every visit to Grandma's house, it's probably why I love them to this day, I'll eat a whole bag at a time, don't tell my wife that, but um, at, at, at some point at any visit to Grandma's house, the bag of Cheetos would come out, the giant rubber band would come off of the package that was sealing it, and the bowl would be filled up. Cheetos and Grandma just belonged together, so do licking fingers. Um, I just can't separate those in my mind, just like Thanksgiving and hummingbirds and family photos. Grandmothers are a special blessing that God has given to children around the world. And and grandmothers are a special blessing given to parents who are trying to to figure it all out when when life is thrown at you and children get thrown at you, sometimes when you're not ready for them, and the grandmothers in our lives are there and, and God has designed them for a very particular purpose. Well, we've just completed our series, The Story, and I would like to take the next few weeks discovering the riches of the the third shortest book of the Bible called Philemon, and so next week we'll be in that book together, but this Mother's Day I thought it would be, we could could examine the importance of the blessing of Grandma and consider the, the gift that mothers and grandmothers are in our lives. The scripture teaches us the importance of this, this precious and this vital role. In the recognition of this great gift that God has given to us, I'd like for us to look at a few texts of Scripture together and see what God says. And while I pray that each one of you who are grandmothers will be challenged to, to seek the Lord's strength in further accomplishing uh, this great responsibility which he's called you to, the primary exhortation which I have for you today, though, is, number one, that we would give thanks to our great God. This is an opportunity on days like today which we memorialize mothers and fathers and different things when we take time and look at what the scripture says about these things it's it's always good for us to remember this is an opportunity and a call for us to give god thanks because he's worthy of our thanksgiving and our adoration and our praise and we give thanks to our great god our savior for grandmothers as well as for our mothers and um and for the mothers and grandmothers of of your children Number two, uh, it's also important that we give these women in your life a gesture of your, your thanks today and, and appreciation for the dedication which they've demonstrated year after year to being the women that God has called them to be. And so days like today are always an opportunity for us to uh, apply what God's Word says in a very practical way. 
Our first passage that I'd like you to look at, many of you are familiar with, is from Acts chapter 16. So please turn there with me. Our Sunday school class just went here two weeks ago, so a lot of you are really familiar with this. But Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, where we meet one of the greatest examples in Scripture of a man who became a disciple and then became a disciple maker. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there, named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. It says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. It is a passage where we're introduced to a young man. This young man's name is Timothy. This young man would remain with Paul consistently throughout his missionary journeys. He's one of the co-authors of the small book that we're going to start studying next week. We know that Paul trained Timothy. He prepared him for ministry. He eventually sent him on important tasks that required someone that was trustworthy. Eventually, Timothy would serve churches in the Greek peninsula, Macedonia, and also he served one of them as one of the pastors in Ephesus, probably one of the greatest and um, the central and largest church in ancient Turkey uh, in the days of the first apostles. When Paul was in chains, Timothy was one of his most faithful, one of his most trusted confidants and friends who continued to be of encouragement to the apostle while he was in the midst of all this suffering. The disciple took part in co-authoring six of Paul's epistles to various churches and individuals, which we, um, which we today have in the scripture. First Timothy was a letter written to him while he was pastoring in Ephesus, and the book of Second Timothy was written at the end of Paul's life. One of his last letters that he ever wrote, he penned it from Rome just before his, his imminent death. And Timothy serves as probably the chief model in the New Testament of what it looks like in the New Testament to know Christ and, and to make him known. The command to make disciples, that is, to make Christ followers, is seldom more evident than in the life of this young man who was taken by Paul, and, he, and they went all over the Roman world, the Roman Empire, and, and he was given responsibilities that he, he carried out. But before there was ever a Paul in Timothy's life, someone else had been investing eternity into this young man. Paul spent a few years teaching and training Timothy, but the fruit of that training started long before Paul and Timothy ever encountered one another. It started with the seeds of discipleship of two women who spent around 20 years making a disciple in Timothy's life. All that Luke tells us in Acts chapter 16 is that when Paul came to Lystra, he met a young man named Timothy who was already a disciple, a Christ follower. We're told that he had a Greek Gentile father and a mother who was of Jewish heritage and that she was a believer. We don't really know much about, about her. Uh, we, we don't know her story. Uh, was she in a marriage that she didn't choose? Was she in slavery and a life that, that got thrown on her? Did his father ever believe also? Was his father someone well-known? 
just questions we'll probably never know of, know on this side of eternity. However, by the time Paul met Timothy, what we do know is that the Christians in this entire region already knew Timothy, and, and he had an outstanding reputation. Essentially, what Luke tells us about Timothy before Paul is that he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Uh, this was a young man who had grown up in their church, uh, and, and he was a part of their body, and, and everyone, they loved him. Everyone had something good to say about Timothy. This was the college-age student that they had grown up seeing from the, probably the toddler years, and, 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 and they, they knew that, that this was an individual with great potential for leadership in the next generation. You know, maybe he was somewhat shy, maybe a little bit timid, but what a servant of God. What potential. When Paul wrote to Timothy later on and reminded him this now seasoned pastor in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he said this about him, though. He said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And so the scripture shows us that we're to be thankful for our grandmothers. They, they play an, an amazing role. We need to be thankful for the mothers that God has put into our lives. They play a, a vital and essential role for all of us. But even more of an honored role is, excuse me, um, not, not, I'm sorry, I misspoke that. We're to be thankful for our grandmothers. Uh, and, and I just want to remark that they, they play an amazing role, but even more of an honored role uh, is that of a grandmother who is a follower of Jesus because they are disciple-makers. Paul speaks of two women in Timothy's life. He first mentions his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Uh, and so we're told that they were both believers. Both of these women were devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and both of these women passed on a heritage of faith to their children and, and eventually to Timothy. I'm mindful that being a mother, it can often be a thankful, thankless task, can't it? Um, you have, you've spent years changing diapers, feeding little faces, tutoring algebra, wiping tears, oftentimes from algebra. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes ministry that most of the world will never see, and yet the impact reaches farther than you could ever imagine. Even the small things that are a part of everyday routine may be used by God to accomplish profound works brought about by the Lord. The comedian uh, Shauna Pierce once raised an encouraging question. I had never seen this passage this way before, and uh, I think uh, Angie brought it to my attention. Um, she mentioned how Jesus fed the 5,000 when they were all out in the wilderness when Jesus became hungry. Uh, we know from the story in John chapter 6 that Jesus fed the 5,000. It was one of his greatest signs. It was a sign that he was the Messiah, that he was God. And so he performed this miracle by multiplying five barley loaves and two fish and made it into enough to feed all the men, all the women, and the children that were there. And that bread and that fish were made available via a little boy who donated his lunch that became one of the greatest miracles of Jesus' ministry. But here's the question. Where did the lunch come from? Where did this little boy get that lunch? Now, now the text doesn't tell us, so this is, we're, we're, we're speculating here, but the answer to that question makes a profound point. Someone prepared 
that lunch for that little boy who ended up several miles from the nearest McDonald's when he went out to see Jesus and to hear Jesus on the road. It's very possible that that someone was the boy's mother or his grandmother, someone in his life that, that we'll never know. Do you think that that person who made that lunch for this boy had any idea that this simple, mundane, thankless task would end up being the beginning of a great and glorious miracle? One of Jesus' greatest signs pointing people to who he was. You know, sometimes mothers and grandmothers fall into the trap of thinking that their role is, is unimportant. You compare yourself with others, the images you see of other mothers and other grandmothers, and you wonder why you can't keep up with all those other women on social media that have it so right. Sometimes the chores of being a mother can feel so monotonous and so mundane. But let me remind you that our chief purpose, our chief purpose in this life, all of us, is to glorify God. You are to be a reflection of the wow of God. We are all tempted to think that in order to achieve this, we have to, we have to accomplish some great deeds that the world is going to see. But reflecting his magnificence doesn't just take place when you, when you head the town council. Reflecting the magnificence of our God doesn't just happen when you're the one singing at the Metropolitan Opera for millions to see. Reflecting the magnificence of God doesn't just happen when you're the one that leads hundreds to Christ. Reflecting his glory happens most, mostly during the mundane moments of life. The everyday common stuff that we do all the time. When you change diapers without receiving any thanks. When you show up at your granddaughter's piano recital and your grandson's track meet and show them how much you love them just by being there. When you dust the house only to have the wind come through and the, uh, come through the cornfields and replace all that you just finished. It's, it's the everyday things that God is glorified in through you and the way that you do them. Who knows whether or not it's your mundane chore that God will take and use to perform another great act. Grandmothers have the unique privilege of coming alongside multiple generations to be a part of one of the most beautiful arenas of discipleship some, some of you are even great grandmothers now did i hear we had a second a great great grandmother here today maybe all right just great grandmothers um grandmothers not only have the opportunity to impact the children but also to come alongside a young parent and, and to give them encouragement and guidance it, it's a place for making disciples and for walking beside the next generation of disciple makers I, I love that my children, I love each one of them. I'm so proud of each one of them. But I can't imagine how things would have been different had it not been for three women named Carol Niles, Charlene Jones, and Catherine Bruce, a great-grandmother, who came into their lives, who came alongside a couple young kids trying to figure out how to raise five children and that each one of them needed their own unique instruction manual. Those three women spent countless hours days and years discipling my children spending time with them taking them places spending six o'clock morning phone calls on the uh, uh, on the phone and god used them is still using them to shape my children into the disciples of jesus christ that they are becoming today 
in the midst of moving through Monday to Monday, God has given, God has given disciples, given mothers and grandmothers one of the most cherished treasures that God has entrusted to us on this earth. And moms, I, I want you to understand, and grandmothers, I want you to understand that you are God's front line in his crusade to accomplish the mission that he gave to the church. There's this really obscure passage. Um, we'll go there sometime and I'll unpack this a little bit more. I'm probably going to get myself in trouble by even just reading this verse. But in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul was speaking to the women in the church, and he's speaking about different roles. God has created us with different roles. Uh, men and women have been, both of us, all of us have been created in God's image. But within his plan, within the church, within families, there's different roles that he's given to us. And, uh, and Paul Paul has this, this statement that he makes. This is what I get for going off the cuff here. I can't even find the verse now. I was just, just reading it. And so speaking of women's roles, there's this obscure verse. He's talking about women in the church and, and the leadership roles and different positions. And he makes this statement that a lot of people attribute to Paul as being just really horrible thing to say. But uh, in verse 15, after talking about these different roles, he says, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 of 1 Timothy, he says, yes, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And a lot of people have read that verse and went, what in the world does that verse mean? Does it mean that, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but women are saved by having kids? Is that what the verse is? No, absolutely not. That's not what Paul's saying. Is, it, is, it, is Paul saying that, that the only role that women, women really have in life is raising children? And that's not what he's saying. But what I think what Paul is doing here is this really amazing passage that, that shows the incredible value of the women in our lives. I, I think part of what Paul's saying is, is, look, there are different roles in this life and different roles in the church and different roles in leadership. But one of the most incredible opportunities that God has given to anyone, anywhere, is the opportunity to be this front line of discipleship that's taking place in the home, with the family, and that women, you have this incredible opportunity that God has entrusted to you in a special way that your husbands will never be able to do. And, and God has given you a unique place in his kingdom, a unique place in ministry, not your only place in ministry and not your only place in the kingdom, but an amazing role to make this impact on the child, the children that God brings into your life. We'll unpack that passage a little bit more later on but uh, in, in another day. But um, all, all this to say, in, in the midst of moving from week to week, God has given mothers and grandmothers one of the most cherished treasures in this life. And again, you are the front lines of this crusade to accomplish the mission that he gave to the church. You are the first disciple makers. And grandmothers, like, like Timothy's grandmother Lois, you are the first in line of those who are called to teach others to dis be dis disciple makers. There's a lot of us that are just trying to figure it out. And, and we need people who are more experienced in this life to come alongside us and to show us how to do this, how to raise our children in a godly way. In the words of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that's a role that, this, that our grandmothers have in our lives as well. 
This happens in a couple ways. First, by sowing the gospel into their children's lives. Paul reminds us of this great act of discipleship, which is carried out by the Christian mothers and grandmothers in his letter to 2 Timothy. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he reminded Timothy that his mother and grandmother had passed on the Christian faith to him. Again, we see this first act of maternal discipleship is in the sowing of the gospel into children's lives. If you have a Christian mother or a grandmother who, who took you to church, who shared the gospel with you, who took the time to, 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 um, to teach you, it's important for us to take the time to thank them for investing the most precious message of eternity into our lives. And moms, make sure you're taking time to thank your mother for the role that she has in helping you be the mother that God has called you to be. The example that she set, but also the counsel and the wisdom that she brings to you. God designed it that way. Take the time to give God thanks above all. He's the one that's worthy of all glory. He's the one who's worthy of our praise. Let us give time to give God thanks for the women that he's put into your life. There's another way that women have this, that this role is very special in their lives. A couple chapters later, in chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, Paul again reminds Timothy and says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, the second way in which mothers disciple their children and in which grandmothers disciple the mother of their grandchildren is by teaching them the truth. Timothy was familiar with the sacred writings of Scripture long before he ever met Paul. And, and some of the people who invested that into his life were probably his mother and his grandmother. From infancy, our grandmothers, our moms, have the opportunity to teach their children the truths of the Bible. They have the opportunity to tell their children of Scripture, to reinforce the lessons of, of Scripture in ordinary events of life in a way that, that is uh, very unique and personal. They have the opportunity to counter the false things that their children and their grandchildren are going to hear and see and to remind them of how God says life works and how God says things are, to remind them of what God tells us. And even in our discipline, even in the way we discipline our children, there's an opportunity to use correction in order to teach the truths of Scripture. Discipline is not just about punishing children. Discipline is not just about making life miserable. I don't know, children probably felt that way a lot, didn't it? But that's not the main objective. The main objective of discipline is it teaches us the way to go. And in discipline, there's this opportunity to use this correction in order to teach the truth of Scripture. My friends, this is discipleship. And so whether it's the mundane things of life, whether it's discipline, whether it's walking down the road and, and teaching the truths of God's Word and how it relates to practical life, that's what discipleship looks like. And the first place that this takes place, among anything else, is right in the home. This is going... This is the going that Jesus commanded us to do in the Great Commission. And this is the teaching of all that he has commanded us to do. Lois and Eunice are, are wonderful examples of the blessing of mothers and grandmothers. But we could look elsewhere in Scripture and find other examples of saints that had the influence of these women in their lives. 
before there was ever a King David, there was Ruth and a woman named Naomi, a grandmother and his great-grandmother. Note a few of the other passages that remind us of the blessings of old age and of being a grandparent. Uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. Over in Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Grandmothers, God declares there's still work for you to accomplish. You have the opportunity to declare in a very special relationship that the Lord is upright. You have the opportunity to teach another generation how God is your rock. You have the privilege of showing them that there is no unrighteousness in our God. And God has put you in a unique position to teach these things. In Psalm 103, verses 15 to 18, he said, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. As life presses on, we start to get more tired. As the troubles of life tempt us to grow weary, my challenge to you today is don't, don't cease to keep his covenant. Never forget to do his commandments. And may your fear of this loving Lord bring righteousness to your children's children. And remember the command God gave the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. It is as much for our mothers and grandmothers as it is for the patriarchs and the fathers of our family. Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. My friends, God, God knew what he was doing when he made grandmothers. He created mothers to, take, to make disciples, to share the faith, to teach us, to pray for us, to nurture and care for us. He created grandmothers to pass on a heritage of righteousness to the next generation and to play a role in making disciples that is entirely unique. There was a Jewish rabbi that made a statement once and said, one of the delights of grandparenting is that it is often without some of the complications of parenting. It, it can be a lighter relationship. Uh, some view grandparenting as nature's second chance in that we can be a little different than we were with our children. Without the same sense of responsibility for discipline and direction, grandparents can share love in a, in a different way. And is in the warm glow of all that positivity that our heritage passes from generation to generation. Grandparenting is a unique role that God has given to mankind, and it is there that there's a unique opportunity to touch the life of another. In conclusion, allow me to make just a couple challenges to us on this Mother's Day. Uh, first, 
to those of you who are grandmothers, uh, be encouraged. Be encouraged by the promises of God's blessing, which, which he has given to you as, a, as you are faithful to remember the Lord's commandments and to teach his way of righteousness to the next generation. To those of you who are grandchildren, who, who your grandchildren live far away, I, I want to encourage you, take advantage uh, of phones and social media and, and create unique interactions with the grandchildren that God has placed in your life. This special arena of disciple making that God has called you to. To those of us that are here who have, had the op- who have not had the opportunity to have children or grandchildren, I, I would encourage you to, to come alongside the younger women in the church. Come alongside someone who, uh, those, uh, excuse me, to some of, who, of whom did not have Christian mothers. Come alongside those who, who didn't have Christian grandmothers in their life, or their moms maybe have passed away. In Titus chapter 2, there's a command given. He, he speaks to the older men, he speaks to the, older, uh, to the younger men and the younger women, but, but he says this specifically to the older women. He says, older women... Likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. There's an opportunity for you to adopt younger families and to be a part of this rich blessing for this next generation. And secondly, in recognition of the great gift that God has given to us through his creation of grandmothers and mothers, give thanks. It is appropriate for all of us to give thanks for the manner in which God brought our grandmothers and our mothers into our lives. Give thanks to our great God for your mom, for your children's mother. Guys, don't forget your children's mom today. God is good. And through mothers, God has poured out onto each one of us many blessings. And then finally, given uh, that this is Mother's Day, make sure you give these women in your life a gesture of your thanks today. An appreciation for the way that God has used them. An appreciation for their dedication, which they've demonstrated year after year to being the mothers that God has called them to be and the grandmothers that God has called them to be. Or maybe this is their first Mother's Day or their first time as a grandmom. And so let's be sure to give honor where honor is due. And so please join me now as we offer God thanks for these women in our lives and as we pray on their behalf. Father in heaven, we, we come before you today and we, above all and first and foremost, we give thanks to you and we give honor to you. Within your incredible, wise plan, You've created this world and life and relationships in the way that you have, and you've put these women into our lives that have impacted us in ways that no one else could. Father, we thank you for their role. We thank you for their influence. We thank you for this pattern. And even in our our humanness, in our failures, even in our sin, we thank you for the unique, particular situation that you've given to each one of us. Might we remember to give you thanks? And might we remember to, um, to honor those in our lives that, that you've commanded us to honor? Thank you for Mother's Day and this opportunity to um, remember the moms in our lives.
But Lord, we give you praise because you are good. As we go out from here, might you be glorified in our lives, in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we carry ourselves in both the special moments of life and the mundane moments of life. Glorify your son, Jesus Christ, through us, through our moms, and the way that we treat them. Might your Holy Spirit fill us to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.